Praise God. You saw a lot of champions up there from all different uh, sports. But uh, before that glorious moment when they got their prize or trophy or stepped up on the podium, they were champions years before because they had to put in the time. They had to train hard. They had to live a disciplined life. Anybody else could live any way they wanted to, but not a person with the heart of a champion, one who knew that they had what they had to do daily to get them years from then on the podium. You know, <clears throat> I looked up the definition of a champion. A champion is defined as a person who has defeated or surpassed all rivals in a competition, especially in sports, but it can be with music or academics. It's one who is expert in that area. A champion can also be a person who voluntarily takes extraordinary interest in the success of a purpose. And we as disciples, Jesus' disciples, more than fans, I'm talking to the disciples today. We who really take our walk seriously, we're champions of the cause that Jesus left us. His last parting words was in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And he said to us, and this is to all of you, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and I would be with you always, even until the end. So a champion, today's message is having the heart of a champion. It's part of our Overcomer series. And a champion for Christ is one who has an extraordinary interest in the success of that mission. So what does it mean to have a heart of a champion? Well, I looked that up too. I love looking up words. The word heart in the Bible, the way the Bible uses the term heart, it's the seed of our emotions, our desires, our wills, our perceptions, our understanding, our reasoning powers, our imagination, our conscience, our purpose, and our faith. So to have a heart of a champion, you combine everything that I shared, and I want to I go to the scripture, and I want to show you of an example of a champion in the making, of someone who was being groomed to become a champion for God. And you can read about this when you get home. The story is found in Samuel, chapters 16 through 21. It's all about a young boy. His name was David. He was hardened in the fields as a shepherd boy. The hot sun during the day, the cold nights. He was able to fight off the lion and the bear. He protected his sheep, those who were under his care, from the predators. And when he rested in the father's care, his sheep rested as well. But the, here's what I want you to see. He was a champion because he spent focused time on the Lord. 
focused time. Think of the time he spent writing the Psalms, worshiping God, praying, communing with God. God gave him the strength and the skill that he needed for every area of life, even to fight off the lion and the bear with just a slingshot. You know, conquering giants, you can't do it. You can't be an overcomer without skill and expertise. And you can't gain that in the spiritual realm unless you spend focused time with the Lord. Because we all face giants, amen? Whether it's health or finances or the, your coworkers, a boss, or even family members, we face giants. And God wants to equip us for every battle. We learned about this through the whole series of being more than a, a, a conqueror. He wants us to be an overcomer, no matter what the giant, the storms, the obstacles, the challenges, the circumstances, whatever you're currently facing, God wants to equip you with what you need. God desires us to be more like Jesus. He wants us to advance the kingdom throughout all the earth. And life has a way of throw, throwing in diversions, doesn't it? Get us off track, get us off focus. But he wants today, I hope, God help me, that I can help all of us to see how we could be an overcomer, how we could stay on track, how we can continue the race, how we could finish the race. Like Paul said in First. Uh, 2 Timothy first, uh, verse uh, 7 of chapter 4, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, Paul was looking back. He was looking back and he was saying, I took the time. I did what I needed to do. I lived a disciplined life. And now I can say and look back, I have finished this race. See, it's the way we live daily that determines what we can achieve in life. You can't hope to achieve great things, not in the world sense or even in the scriptural, spiritual sense. If you're not willing to take up the cross and follow him daily and do those things, those exercises that you need to do to keep you strong so you can defeat the enemies. And here, I might, be, I might be picking on some people today, and please, I'm, I'm speaking to myself too. Eliminate the distractions. We're so easily distracted, but as true disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to eliminate those distractions. Think of the times that we spend waiting for that favorite TV program and spending hours, maybe binge-watching something on TV that squanders our time that we could be focusing on the Lord and gaining strength from him. You know, you, you, your phone app, I know some people like Candy Crush and some of those games, think of the hours and the time you spend playing those games. I know years ago it was um, Guitar Hero. You know, Guitar Hero is a game where they play queen music. I saw somebody with a queen shirt on over here. Yeah, there you go. Did you like the opening song? Okay. But 
I lost my place here. <laughs> oh, Guitar Hero. Think of the hours, hours that are spent trying to, you know, win this game. You, do you know the hours that you spent playing that game? You could be an accomplished musician by now. And I'm not kidding. Because the time you put in something, the time that you put towards something will help you to gain the skills. Now, we can learn a lot from the sports world when it comes to being a champion. Look at Michael Phelps. He was an Olympic champion. Does that name ring a bell? Anybody remember him? World-class swimmer? He won a total of 28 medals. 23 gold medals, four silver medals, and one bronze. But do you know at the very first games in Sydney, he didn't win any. What if he gave up? What if he didn't have the heart of a champion? He didn't have the passion and the purpose to continue. But he did continue. In, in Athens, he got eight, in Beijing, eight, in London, six, and in Rio, six. But I want to tell you a little story about Michael Phelps. At the age of seven, he was petrified of the water. He wouldn't even put his face in the water. So his parents enrolled him in a, a swim club. And he joined the North Baltimore Aquatic Team, and he was putting in, pretty soon, 100 hours in the water. And he trained. And he trained, even on Thanksgiving Day, even on Christmas Day, 365 days, for five solid years, he did not miss one day of training, not one day in the water. Now, see, this is really important because when you're in uh, training as a swimmer, if you miss one day in the water, that sets you back too. It takes you two days to get back to where you should be. He didn't miss one day. And at the age of 11, the makings of a champion, the coach recognized this boy's heart. He had the heart of a champion. Of course, he had the tools. He had the place to go. He had family support. He had the drive and the desire. But he, when he was interviewed after his 21 or 28 medals. He said this, when I focused everything on the sport, I was a champion. I was in bed by 10. I had the proper rest. I did the proper workouts. I took care of myself outside the pool. And he went on further to say, there were days I didn't want to do it. Everyone has days like that. But it's what you do on those days that moves you forward. So if we look at this and we apply it to our Christian walk, as, as we just use prayer for an example, how many times you don't want to get up that extra hour and pray? But it's what you do during those times and you push ahead that's the heart of a champion. But Michael Phelps had some issues. He didn't know the Lord at the time. He needed some inner healing because his father, he and his father had a bad relationship. He had unresolved issues with his father. 
But after the win, after his win in London, right before his last um, Olympic uh, Games, he was in London. I mean, he, he should have been, you know, elated where he was. But instead, he was distracted. And he was depressed to the point of he wanted to commit suicide. He gained 30 pounds after those games. He lost his champion's heart. His coach gave up on him. Did I mention he was arrested for DUI twice? Downward spiral. But a strong Christian friend, you may recognize his name, Ray Lewis. He was with the Baltimore Ravens. He talked him through it. He got him to, to uh, go to a behavior rehab in Arizona. And he gave him the Purpose Driven Life book. And through therapy and a revelation of a power greater than himself, he found Jesus Christ there. And he gained strength, and he was able to reconcile with his father. Most importantly, though, he regained this champion heart. And he started to get serious. And, and the strict refocusing and disciplined life that he had before, because he wanted to go to the next Olympic Games. And there he won six more medals. You know, some of you might feel like, you know, I've gone off the path. Uh, I'm disqualified. But as you refocus and do those things that are necessary to realign yourself with God, you can be his champion again. Now, I want you to look in 1 Corinthians 9 with me, starting at verse 24. Paul was writing this. He likes to compare sports, too, with spiritual life. Do you not know that a race, in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They, don't get, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I, I put a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself may not be disqualified. See, Paul was using this illustration as an example of the self-sacrifices we have to make for spiritual success, not the laurel wreaths that go in the head and they fade and they're worthless after a while, but the crown that we receive from God because we're his champion that will last through all eternity. You know, these games happened every two years. They were similar to the Olympic Games. There were five events. It took 10 months of strict training to get ready for these games. And they, they had consistent exercise. They had rigid self-discipline. And they had to abstain, listen to me, they had to abstain from everything that would weaken them or fatten them. What weakens you? What's your kryptonite? What causes you to be weak in the spirit? You know what it might be? Music, 
toxic friends, waste of time activities like the games I was talking about, even sports. Paul knew the road he was on and what he needed to do to continue on that road. And he, you notice what he, when he was boxing, he said he wasn't boxing the air. Where did the blows land? In his body. Because what he was saying there was, we have to master ourselves. We have to discipline ourselves to be his champion. You know, one of the most powerful principles in getting better at anything is practice. Wouldn't you say? Practice. It's a principle that the more you practice th something, the better you get at it. There's no other way. The more you practice his presence, the better you get at it. But this is a book. I really picked up this book in preparation for this. It's called The Outliers, The Story of Success. And, and here there's one chapter where he talks about the 10,000-hour rule. And there were studies that no matter what area, whether it was academics or music or uh, software uh, manufacturing, whatever, sports, they had to put in the 10,000 hours to be successful. I want to read something from the book. And those of you who are fledging musicians and you're still young, listen to this. They compared amateur pianists with professional pianists, and the same pattern emerged. Amateurs never practiced more than three hours a week over the course of their childhood, and by the age of 20, they had a total of 2,000 hours. The professionals, on the other hand, steadily increased their practice time every year until by the age of 20, they reached 10,000 hours. And over and over, the common denominator of those who were experts in their field, it was the 10,000-hour rule. Whether you want to, here's another uh, quote. It says, practice is required to achieve the level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything. Who wants to be a world-class expert for, for Jesus? That was weak. Amen. Okay, so you got to put in your time. Got to put in your time. I mean, you, you could say, well, that sounds daunting. 10,000 hours. I mean, you think of Gabby, uh, Gabby Douglas, we showed her in the beginning. She was a gymnast. 35 hours a week in the gym. That was 1,820 hours a year. Five years it took her to become a champion, and she did the time. If you look at others like Usain Bolt, the Olympic runner, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, they put in their 100 hours or their time. And think of King David. How many hours did he spend communing with the Lord? Because even in one of his psalms, he says, he who dwells, that means he lived there in God's presence. He dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So who wants to be a champion? Anybody? All right. 
So I'm going to give you some tips. Now, of course, I want you to apply this in your spiritual life, but you could apply this in any area, any area, if you want to be great, if you want to be a champion. You could gain a heart. First, you have to have a clear goal. You might want to write these down. You have to have a clear goal. Jesus knew why he was here. He fixed his eyes on Jerusalem. He, know, he, he knew he was here to testify the truth. He was there to, to open blind eyes and set the captives free. He knew what his goal was, the cross. Now, you have to know what you're aiming for, right? You got to have a goal. You know, it's distressing to me, this oblivious aimlessness that I see in a lot of young people. You know, you're drifting anywhere instead of going somewhere. And I don't mean just the young people. A lot of people spend their life. To go, to go just anywhere is to be certain that you're never going to arrive anywhere. God wants to direct your life. He has a purpose and a plan for it. He wants to give you meaning. He wants you to ask. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that he has. We need to have a goal. We need to know what we're shooting for. An athlete that's going for a, a medal in the Olympics is going to live differently than those who have no clear goal. And your goal should inspire you and motivate you. If you want to be a great tennis player, you're going to have to practice. Practice that serve. You want to be a great musician? You need to practice those scales, boring as they are. You need to put in the time because you're working towards the goal. Can you imagine running a race where there's no finish line? Or playing golf and there's no holes to shoot in? Or go running up and down the basketball court and there's nothing to shoot into? You need a goal. You need a place that you're aiming for. A serious believer who is more than a fan of Jesus wants to grow and serve God in the most powerful ways. So the first thing is to know where you're headed and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you so you know how to get there. Second thing, aim high. Aim high. Have a clear goal. It's not important enough. It's not important. It's not good enough just to have a goal. You have to aim high. Go beyond something that challenges you. You know, realistic but difficult. Get out of your comfort zone. Push the limits. Think about David. The first thing, his goal was to protect the sheep, right? Then be better equipped. He was prepared to attack the lions and the, and the bear. And later, he became Saul's warrior. 
and his goal was to be the best. And I want us, I want us to read something in 1 Samuel 18 as he became Saul's warrior. Verse 5, whatever mission Saul sent him to do, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out of all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres. And they sang and danced. And they sang this, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but to me, only thousands. What more can he do, get but my kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. See what happens is living when you're living as a champion, you're going to inspire some people, but you're going to enrage others. Be prepared to live as a champion. Saul was so jealous that he cooked up a plan and used his own daughter in it, where he was going to um, use her as a lure to get David killed. Now, he, he realized that, that Michal and, uh, had a crush on David, so he told David that if he got 100 foreskins of the Philistines, then he could earn his his wife, to be a wife. But David didn't think himself worthy. Let me read to you in verse 24. Say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. And Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. He purposely set him up so he would be defeated, but no weapon formed against him no weapon formed against you when you're a champion for Jesus Christ is going to have that kind of effect because he flipped it around and he, David, actually got 200 foreskins for the purchase of his bride. So the third thing, make a plan and do it. After you aim high, make a plan. You got to know what you need to do. What skills and knowledge do you need to have? How are you going to acquire them? And you know what? I want to mention in your bulletin every week and three times a year, we have classes called the Discipleship Path, the Disciples Path, seven steps that you could take that will be part of your growth process. And those are there to fulfill your greatest potential in God, seven steps. So you have a solid foundation, and it challenges you to grow, challenges you in your gifts and your leadership, but it all starts with focused time, focused time. So not only are these classes awesome, but you have to do your due diligence, your self discipline. You need to do what's necessary. First of all, again, eliminate the kryptonite in your life, whatever that might be. 
and start feeding yourself. And start doing the exercises. You know, I belong to LA Fitness, and when I get better, by the way, if you guys don't know about this, I had a bicycle accident last Sunday, and both my ribs are uh, bruised pretty badly. So that's why, you know, I'm Italian. You don't see me moving my hands as much. <laughs> uh, but the exercises that you need to do on a regular basis, here's what Jesus did. If you look and examine his life, Jesus ex showed by example, by exercising in this way. And they're going to be behind me, hopefully, now. All right. Study. You got to study, read, be in the word so that you can gain wisdom and guidance and strength for life. You got to pray. That's how you communicate with God. That's how he communicates back to you. And fasting. Fasting is an intense time of eliminating any distraction, even food, and an intense time of prayer. Confession, keep short accounts. And these are things you do every day. At the end of the day, you look at your day and confess your shortcomings. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Keep short accounts, confess. Worship, praise God for his greatness through music and, and the word and even silence. You can worship him. Fellowship. I think of this like soul friendship. Spend time with other believers in a prayerful relationship, in conversation together. It's not just socializing. It's really inputting into each other's spirit. Rest, of course, we know the Sabbath was given to us, but individually rest is refraining from any other contact with other people. Just you and the Lord. Celebration, service, generosity, and that ties in with secrecy. Generosity is not letting other people know what you've given. You're not looking for the accolades of men. You want to be generous with what God blessed you with. Chastity, a season of abstinence. And di disciple-making. And here, just for that, the practices that you exercise, if you exercise these, if you practice these exercises, you will see that you will grow. It's like ballet, practicing ballet or, or basketball. basketball. The more you practice the presence of the Lord, the more you input his spirit into your spirit. Okay, enough on that one. Number four, cultivate your motivation. You need sustained motivation. One of the things that motivates you is sticking to your goal. But I'm reminded of the race that I just had an accident in last week. Um, and at one point where it was most difficult, where it was very hilly, there were people there cheering us on. They were handing us water. And they were encouraging us and motivating us to keep going, to continue the race. That's the way it is in our Christian life. 
fellowship groups, community groups, men's groups, women's groups, the, the couples groups, the volunteer teams that you're part of, the discipleship that you receive through your intentional leader. This is all helping to cultivate your motivation. Number five, train hard. Everybody say that with me. Train hard. And for a long time, don't give up. You need to have superior skills and knowledge to achieve a goal. And there's no other way, no other way to get it except to train hard and long. And, you know, study, like I read some of the things in this book, studies show that it has to be effortful training for a long period of time. It's the kind of training where you dig in, where you practice these uh, disciplines. It's hard work. It's, it's like playing the piano for years and years and years. It, you're incrementally getting better as you study. You know, trying isn't enough. It's training that we have to do because training plugs us into the power of the Holy Spirit, that resurrection power that we can get no other way but by hard work and focused time with the Lord. You know, the saying, the steady, the, the race goes not to the swift, but to the steady. You know, the story of the tortoise and the hare, tortoise stuck with it, the hare lost the race. And the same for us, we have to sustain the motivation and stick with it. Now, in 2 Peter 1, 5 and 6, Paul, uh, Peter writes this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. See, we can't be indifferent. We can't be self-satisfied. We can't think that we have arrived if you had the heart of a champion and you're a true disciple of Jesus, not just a fan, then you want to develop and get stronger. And these, this is the progression. There's a progression here. It says make every effort. That means giving maximum effort. Even though God poured out his divine power and through his grace and mercy, of course, you are a believer, he requires us to live a disciplined life alongside of what he's done. And then it says, add to your faith means whatever he's given us, you're adding goodness. That's the moral energy to perform with excellence. In other words, you don't just do a job to get it over with. You want to do it as best as you can for the glory of God. Self-control, controlling your passions and your bodily desires, like Paul said, he beat his body so that it would be in submission. And perseverance, that's sticking with something, staying the staying power, the patient endurance to do what's right, not giving in to temptations or trials or troubles, believing God, living by faith and not by sight. Number six, go beyond the comfort zone. Not all kinds of training is going to give you what you need to improve. It's only effortful study 
to be uh, an expert and be willing to be humbled. Now, I'll use my example as a pickleball. Uh, I love that game, pickleball. It's like tennis, but it takes a lot of skill. And sometimes I work in, the, in a league where there's intermediate and expert levels that meet on the same night. And as it gets towards the end of the night, some of those experts are left, they don't have, they're not matched up with experts. And that's where I say, can I play them? Because I want to get better. And the way we get better is we, we stretch ourselves and we go beyond what we're comfortable with. Go beyond your confidence and be ready to be humbled. So what? You're learning. Don't be afraid to put your flesh aside and, and let God use you in areas where he wants to train you up to be a champion for him. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He makes you competent to speak. You put the time in, effortful training, and go one step further. Go one mile further. Run the extra mile. Give the extra time to a task. Volunteer to do more. Fast one more meal or one more day. Get up an hour earlier to pray. A champion won't just do everything just to get by. A champion, a person with a heart of a champion, they don't do things like everyone else. I think of, and I'm not gonna mention names, but there are some awesome teachers here in this house, and they go the extra mile. I mean, they don't just go to get their paycheck and do the minimum amount of work. I mean, they have the best bulletin boards. They put on the best assemblies, the best field trips. I mean, they do the best they can. They walk the extra mile because they give, they know that they're developing the attitude of a champion. Volunteer extra time. Arrive early, leave late. Spend extra time in Bible study. Habitually fast to hear God's voice. And secretly give with no expectation of getting anything in return. Number eight, have competitors to motivate you. I know a lot of you uh, kind of know my spirit. <laughs> I love competition. Maybe it's because I'm a twin. I don't know what it is. But I don't mean win at all costs. I don't mean make winning your motivation. But a healthy dose of competition is important to move you forward spiritually. Without competition, it's very likely that you'll do less than you would have if you had. I see this with my intentional, as an intentional leader with my disciples. I see this as we're learning the stories and the principles, how they tell the story and the next one one-ups the other one and, and, and the memory verses and how we challenge each other with journaling. It's all healthy competition, and that's important to motivate you. 
and then put your skills to the test. Excuse me, one minute. We said trying wasn't enough. Training isn't even enough. If you're not going to test out what you're learning, real challenges by jumping in and watching God work, shepherds feeding the needy, hospital visits, street evangelism, prayer walks, intercessory prayer, teaching at, the, at Sunday school. There's so many opportunities for you to stretch and grow, test all the training out. Put yourself out there and you'll get, you'll hone your competence. The more you do it, the more competent you'll get. Put yourself out there. You have to go beyond your comfort zone. Okay, so what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this information that I've given you? Apply it. You need to apply it. You need to, and, and I know I might be speaking to some who, like Michael Phelps, you felt disqualified. You felt you messed up. You're not going to get another chance. But you have Jesus in your heart, and he showed you by example what you can do to be more than a conqueror, to be his champion, but you gotta start with time, focused time. I want you to take a look at this video. Amen, amen. Don't be disqualified, don't be discouraged, don't be depressed. Go back and do the things that you did when you were red hot for God. Return to your first love. Stop coasting, because when you're coasting, you're drifting off course. Don't condemn yourself if you messed up. We all mess up, we confess it. That's one of our, our, our spiritual disciplines. Turn your failures into feedback. Own up to it, confess it to God, and start doing the spiritual disciplines, the champion exercises that can help you to grow. Some of us have allowed life to sidetrack us for too long. We've become dehydrated, in a sense. Allow the living water to plump you back up. Come on, stand up with me. Stand to your feet. Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, they're good examples of champion lives. They went off course, they drifted off course, and yet when they surrendered their lives to God, he rekindled their hearts. How many of you, raise your hands, want to feel that refreshing, the rekindling of God in your life? You want to become his champion. You want to practice those disciplines. You're not just going to float and aimlessly wander. Okay, let's bow our heads, and then I want to pray with you as I send you off today. Lord, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that gives us strength and guidance for our lives. Lord God, I pray for everyone whose hand is raised. 
Lord God, who desires to be a true disciple, the heart, have the heart of a champion that will begin to commit to those things, to, to focus their time on you. Lord God, I thank you so much for the privilege of being here tonight, today. It's, it's an awesome privilege to see you working through a, a weak vessel. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.